This episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast is powered by rapanalysis.com. Hi, you're listening to the Kick Knowledge Podcast. My name is Steven. And I'm Zach. And we're two white boys who love talking about hip hop. Yo, Zach, what's up, man? What is up? What is up? It's been a while. You haven't talked in a while? Yeah, for real. It's it's really been a while. Uh, It's been pretty much over a month, I think. And that's a shame. I mean, it's such a shame to, like, sort of let our fans and our listeners... I'm sort of differentiating our fans and listeners (laughs) right now, but to let them down, that's sort of a shame. Um, But we really had no choice. It It was hectic. Like, we had no time to record before because we were busy doing very time consuming but very cool like things uh i guess right um because well let's start with like you were literally on the other side of the world i was literally yeah i literally (laughs) had to fly to the other side of the globe i uh I um I flew to New Zealand for a conference the social linguistics uh the social linguistics symposium um to talk about my research on why West Coast and East Coast African American English are different from each other in the same way as West Coast rap and East Coast rap flows are different from each other. And um, and in order to do that, I actually had to do the research first. So that meant a lot of sleepless nights and uh, really a lot of grinding. But but I'm, I'm so happy I, I did all that work because like the data turned out really cool. And um, and the conference was a, a great success, and I I, um, I guess we'll go into depth a little bit more in a minute um, on my findings, I guess, because that's that's pretty cool. Like I've been talking about um, preliminary results for a while now, um, from like even like last November or something when Martin was on the show, and I talked about sort of my preliminary findings on this uh, speech and and rap sort of connection. But now I've got like proper proper data so that's exciting and then you um you're pretty much you're pretty much graduated right i'm i've successfully defended my master's thesis nice so and it's it's sitting it's so crazy it's like the final it's just sitting here on my computer like, just it's done. Print it out, it's, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I have to do a. I don't know if this is the same for every like graduate school, but like I have to send hard copies to the school of music and the graduate school and blah blah blah. A bunch of little technical stuff. But as of right now, like I might put a link to it if I can find because it's on it's on a the Stephen at Boston State University database or whatever. Right. Right. Um. So yeah. So, so it's like uh, it's open source, I guess. Like people can yeah. just look it up nice if you're interested in the analysis of sampling techniques by jay dilla and donuts then i will definitely i mean i might just put a google docs link i don't know i would be very surprised if if you know people weren't if they were if they're still listening to this podcast and they're not interested yeah, in, if you in the sampling you literally talking about <laughs> jay dilla in every episode then you might be interested so yeah man uh, congratulations that's awesome um that is awesome like for you personally like a, like so close to graduation now well pretty much there except for the ceremony i guess and uh but also for the field um 
I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to read the final, final thesis and, um, Awesome. You remind me to, to send this to you. I need to send yes. this to a few other people. Yeah, yeah, well. definitely. No, I'm, I'm very... I'll, um, well, I don't have my... Uh, I haven't written up my results yet. That's what I'll be doing the coming month. But, um, like, I've got all the data. I've got the story. I've got the narrative. And uh, um, so, I could, yeah, I guess I can share that um, with the listeners and with you. So... When I went to um, New Zealand, I went there, like I said, to present on my data on um, East Coast and West Coast rap and East Coast and West Coast African-American English. And um, my hypothesis for a while had been that the two are related, right? That the regional variation in speech affects regional variation in rap flows. And... um, And I'm super excited to say that the, the, the data confirm that and there's like st- statistically significant results uh that back up my my intuitions and my hypotheses so um basically what i found was that rhythmically and melodically speaking so in terms of pitch and in terms of like the rhythms of speech there's like a clear separation between east coast african-american english speakers and west coast african-american speakers um and the speakers I'm talking about here are rappers from the East and the West Coast, like Jay-Z and Snoop Dogg and um, Kendrick Lamar and, um, and guys like that. Nas, Nas, like all those guys. And, um, and then I compared it to like their, their rapping on, um, on sort of a number of iconic songs of theirs. And turns out it's, turns out it's the same patterns. There's only one, there's one sort of, um, interesting sort of outlier there that at first seems to ruin the data but then actually sort of uh turns out to provide a very interesting perspective and that's kendrick lamar um because kendrick lamar when he speaks rhythmically and melodically he follows the pattern of the west coast speakers so he speaks like somebody from the west coast right and when he raps rhythmically he's very much west coast so a lot of rhythmic variation but melodically, he is he is completely unlike all the other West Coast artists to the point that he's even more, uh, even less rhythmically uh, variable and even less melodically variable than the East Coast rappers are. And you can, it doesn't really make sense because it doesn't follow the trend of all the other artists. But really, what's interesting is that um, what it shows, I guess, is that. Um, rappers, although um, initially at least they'll they'll follow, or at least, even though rappers have a sort of tendency to follow the speech patterns of their regional varieties of of English, in this case of African American English, they also have a strong incentive to do something else than the competition, right? Because you do sort of want to stand out amongst like thousands of of aspiring rappers in LA. Uh, Kendrick Lamar had to sort of stand out, and it turns out that he does that melodically. So he becomes very almost oh. robot-like uh, in yeah, terms of pitch. That makes sense. But rhythmically, he's he's very much West Coast. But um, uh, yeah, so that's that was interesting. That Kendrick sort of, I, I like during the presentation, I said Kendrick was kind of killing my vibe a little bit because he was because uh, <laughs> he was kind of an outlier in that respect. But uh, man, the the data. Have you talked to? Yeah, yeah. Have you talked to Martin about this? 
Um, a little bit, but not yet. Not not when I um, only before I did the final analyses. So okay, because he addresses a, a kind of sort of that in his book. Yeah. Shameless plug for his book again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great <laughs> Which you can buy on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I mean, I'd love to talk to Martin about this uh, a little bit more because he's definitely like with the looking at voice and looking at like vocal performances and rappers and, and things like timing, micro timing, stuff like that. We're very much uh, looking at the same thing from different perspectives, different points of view. So, um, oh man, it's just so exciting to be working on this. Like it, like it took a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of sleepless nights and, um, oh, yeah, and long ass flights for the conference at least. But, um, to get these data done because it's just very like work intensive like it's a lot of hard work to get those data but um but i'm so happy i got them because it's man it's such a great story and, and once again it just highlights one sort of tiny little bit of of t tiny aspect of hip-hop um and just shows us how deep that that culture that genre is and how it's connected to other aspects of the culture like language oh, yeah. um, i'm super excited about it so i'm de i'm sure that uh the moment we get martin back on the show that we'll at some point dive into this um in more detail so i'll save all the details for for later but for now um yeah west coast rappers are more melodic and more rhythmically variable than east coast rappers and that is very much probably has very much to do with um the fact that when they speak they're more melodic and more rhythmically variable than the east coasters so there you have it you that go. that's my uh that's my research uh and then beyond well this is an idea for a whole other paper but mm -hmm. looking into like southern rappers and then midwest people who don't fall in the east oh man coast, yeah. west coast yeah. dichotomy yeah that is super interesting yeah like That's i a said whole can of worms yeah i mean tupac being my starting point for my phd project meant that um i ended up looking at east and west coast but um and i've sort of had to sort of narrow my perspective a little bit because otherwise there was no way that i'm gonna get this done um early next year when my contract ends so um for my phd so uh yeah, but that's something I definitely want to look at at some point or somebody else should look at because um, this is the starting point of a whole like these could this could be like a dozen projects or something. This is very exciting stuff. So I'm really excited. You're on the right track. Like if you definitely one project could, could lead to a dozen more. Exactly. Projects, right. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's that a good thing, I guess. Stuff to talk about. Yeah. And, yeah. And I just so, want to say. Uh, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, I want to apologize if you hear fan noise in the background. Oh. It's just that it's, you know, being in Texas right now, it's 110 fucking degrees outside. <laughs> like, it's literally, like, the third level of hell or something. Like, it's awful. What's that so song? It's, it's 110, 110 in the shade. What's that song again? I don't uh, know, but it's the truth. It's the truth <laughs> right now where I'm living. So yeah, let me look that up. I apologize, but I, I like before we started recording, I was like, oh, I should probably turn the fan off. And then I was like, no, I'm not. It's way too fucking hot right now. <laughs> Even with oh, the it's AC, because I have John Fogerty. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, man, uh, that's uh, that's okay. Like from my perspective over Skype right now, I can't I can't tell, but I'm sure you're sort of. 
hi-fi uh, recording, we'll pick it up a little bit, but that's fine, man. That's okay. just a, that's just real. We're giving it to mm-hmm. you real, folks. Like, we're not yeah. trying to hide the fact that Zach is just burning alive in, 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 in Texas right now. <laughs> um, like, yeah, just giving it to you straight. Like, that's kick knowledge for you. So, um, what did you find, basically? What, what's your sort of, what's your main conclusion about Dilla? Except that he's brilliant. Oh, yeah, my, my thesis. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy to me, like, that it's, it's done. Like, I'm, I, I still don't feel like it's done, because there's so, you it's know, so kind of the same man. situation. Like, I remember, like, I pretty much the first episode that we did, which is, like, like 22, 23 episodes <laughs> yeah. ago, like, last... That's when I started, We released yeah. it in September, but we recorded it in August, I think, maybe even July, because we, like... We were recording a little bit earlier back then. Um, and you were like, oh, I really want to work on this project. I really want to analyze Jay Dilla sampling techniques. And now here we are, uh, an academic year later. It's done. Yeah. It's here and it's real. So, so what did you find? Well, I only focused on, in terms of like the, you know, nitty gritty hardcore analysis, I only focused on like four or five tracks. Uh-huh. Out of you know the thirty something on donuts, yeah. tracks on donuts, and that was the that was the hardest part was really figuring out okay what do I want to focus on yeah, specifically because yeah. there were specific patterns you know with like you know micro chopping or with like specific applied effects that I used that I'm like oh I really want to talk about that oh wait no I want to talk about that and then it eventually I narrowed it down you know the, I think it's the whole second chapter. Well, the whole first chapter just talks about sort of kind of the overall structure of donuts, and mm-hmm. then it really gets into the nitty gritty of. Uh, in the second chapter, it talks about don't cry, which there's actually been a fair amount of analysis, at least in comparison to the other tracks that I talk about, like mm-hmm. uh, Mike Derrico in uh, the Cambridge Companion to Hip Hop, in his whole right, chapter right, on right, like, right. yeah, you know, experimentalism in. Um, Hip hop production stuff. He does a whole analysis of, of Don't Cry, which yeah, I, remember, I remember that. I say yeah. pretty, not like super. I think I just sort of mentioned it. I don't think I cite it super frequently. But so I talk about like, I, you know, I had to go and like recreate that track on Ableton. And that's all the diagrams and stuff are um, screenshots from Ableton, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like my, the crowning achievement of this whole thesis is on page 33 is like, where like at forty seconds where like the chops occur, I like have like the two measure, you know, and then I have the individual eighth note fragmented chops, mm-hmm. and then like I have the time codes from the original song, like oh. so it's like this is from one minute and seventeen, this is from one minute eighteen, oh. this is from forty seven seconds. That's awesome. Like I want to put this on like the making hip hop subreddit and be like, hey, I just gave you the keys to how Don't Cry is made. Holy Though shit. a few other, you know, in in terms of like, this is obviously like my own transcription recreation of it, and it might not be a hundred percent accurate. And maybe someone in the next few years will be like, hey, actually, Zach Diaz is a fucking idiot and he's wrong, and this is actually how it was made. And you know what? More power to you. Like I'm totally for. You know, if this, you know, parts of this thesis or this entire thesis in the next few years gets, you know, trashed because someone well, has, you I, know. Like, tr- I don't know, man. Trash, like, knowing how. I shouldn't how, use the term um, trash. Just built on. Yeah, hopefully exactly. People, on the shoulders of giants. What is, what is the expression? Like, 
Uh, we're standing on the shoulders. People take of this research and build yeah. on it. That's yeah. basically yes. Yeah. Well, knowing how rigorously you analyze this stuff, like I, I think you um, you probably did a a, a a pretty solid job on this. So um, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm doubting that people. I think people are going to be excited uh, when they read this stuff, and then well. It, it, the more people uh, start that start looking into this because of that, the better, I would say, even if they disagree on certain things. Um, that's just the nature of research, I guess. So yep. it brings us further forward. And then in chapter three, I talk about uh, in the track, was it in Glazed and Mash? Right. Uh, the, it's strange little vocal snippets it's with strange. like the weird vocal. Yeah. <laughs> like it sounds really. Yeah weird raspy or something yeah trying to figure out and it was hard to address this in a way that was academic because like i kept seeing where there was like comments on youtube or um just on reddit or whatever you know people talking about that track and be like this either it was people's least favorite track on donuts or people's least favorite jay dilla track or people like simply because a lot of people are like this is weird i don't get it yeah like what is this sound it's creepy it freaks me out and i was like okay what makes this weird what what what's causing this because then you go to the original sample yeah and it doesn't sound like that at all like the little it's strange vocal snippet and i figured out that he used the ring modulation effect Mm. To, and then like applied it in a specific way where it affects because if you listen to it it only affects the vocals and not yeah. really like you manipulated the frequency and yeah, the, so the frequency range is, is very narrowly manipulated basically yeah yeah it's manipulating like mainly the vocal parts wow and like like I said before like maybe someone will be like actually he should use the flanger or quartz effect and not ring modulation. Like I'm 99% sure it's ring modulation Yeah. from all the, the research I did on ring modulation and then comparing how it sounds. I'm like, this has got to be what he did. How much, how much, um, this may be a stupid question, but me being merely quote unquote, a linguist dabbling in musicology, but not being somebody who's in music analysis. Um, how much research is being done on like the production side of, of, of music in the sense of like the effects and the um, how the sound is affected by all these modules that we have all, all our VST that packs and yeah, that, that's a, that's a really, really good question because oh, it's like, huh. thank you. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's hard to, there is research that is being done in that. Because, um, you know, guys like I said earlier, Mike, Mike Derrico and um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, who's it? Mark Butler, who wrote, like, a book on, like, uh, EDM. Mm, He's done research yeah. on, like, Groove and EDM, you know. And people who've kind of vaguely talked about, like, Joseph Schloss and Mark Katz, they, I think they mentioned that. Yeah, right, 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 right. There hasn't been any sort of deep dive into like hey here's what effects yeah because the reason why it's so difficult is because it goes beyond what sort of the canon of western music theory has been able to analyze like because when you're analyzing like the texture and the layers and the timbre of the sound you can't really it's hard to represent that in a way like you can't really represent that in sheet music because it's like you can hardly (laughs) represent it in words sometimes Like you, like, get these, like you get these very creative adjectives of like a 
like what, what, like like let's say compression or something like, like people overdoing compression you know um mm. jay paul comes to mind um you know like he um like he compresses his music so much that you get this pumping noise sound like it, it feels like it's like like the music is like there's a pumping mechanism like what does that even mean but like for some exactly. reason if somebody says oh yeah the compression is really there's like a pumping sort of it's sound compressed yeah, it's over compressed so and that's like an aesthetic thing that he's going for which is usually if like a, a, like a beginner's error if producers just wanted to make their music louder yeah, and they yeah. just over compress it but like 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 you get these weird sort of adjectives and and, and words to describe sound um, that are that you you enter like what you said before uh, reminds me of what you said um, when you said that it was uh, difficult to to describe it in academic terms whatever that means. Other because than you, you saying, get into you know, it like, sounds weird, you know. Yeah, like, you, you, you get really... into these sort of non-standard um, words in terms of uh, yeah not what you're used to in academic papers, I guess. So, um, it's, uh, it's such an interesting part though. Cause I feel like it's one of the later on this episode, when we discuss a certain album and we discuss like, pro, like I would, at least what I want to discuss, um, like production quality and, and sound quality. So much of that is to do with mixing, mastering effects, uh, compression, um, filtering, and, and like you said, like Western sort of, yeah, or, or we don't have the, uh, we don't have the system in place to analyze that yet. So you, you have to be creative, I guess. Ah, yes. man, it's, I, I hope. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy that you, uh, uh, what was it? The ring modulator? Yeah. yeah, yeah ring modulation. That you looked into that. And there's yeah. a whole, like, well, yeah, there's a whole, uh, section where I had to just cut out. Cause it was like. I mean, I basically just left it to where I said, you know, this section sounds distorted. And I was trying to, there was like several paragraphs where I was trying to accurately describe what, like how it was distorted. Yeah. And explain like how ring modulation works and like how it affects specific sound. And it was getting more into like acoustics as opposed yeah. to like music theory and like it just confused my entire committee, including myself. <laughs> At a certain point, I didn't even know what I was talking about. I was like, you know what, just what it sounds distorted you get it i played it for them they got what i was talking about yeah and you kind of just have to leave it at that and maybe in the future we'll come up with better terms other than it sounds weird i don't know like, yeah i hope in a few years from now we have sort of a system in place to talk about this um more eloquently <laughs> yeah, yeah totally yeah so moving on from from our personal sort of research projects uh, like i said like we've been we've been gone for over a month um, there's a lot to discuss. Um, I have two new EPs out. Holy shit. Yeah. That's so the first funny. one's named after your sister and the second yes. one's named after your, your grandfather, right? Yes. And they're on my Bandcamp and I tried putting them on Spotify and 
I don't know, it messed up. Like, there's a couple tracks on the Bob EP that's messed up, and, like, some of them don't appear for some reason. The fuck? Yeah, whatever. Come on, Spotify. But get your I get, prefer, get your game together. I prefer, over everything, I prefer Bandcamp, because it's like, then you can listen to it, and then if you want to throw, you know, a couple dollars on, you know. <laughs> like, I have it to where it's like, it's, you can download it for free, but if you you can pay if you want, you know. Yeah, the, the pay whatever you, you want kind of system, to. right? Yeah. So uh, let's do some proper uh, marketing. The first one's titled Hannah, right? Yes. Named after your sister because it was based on because you solely used the samples well, from actually, records. Actually, there's only she, like I think like one sample that I used hey, from like the stack of records she got for me. But that's dope, though. And then after that, I was like, well, none of these other samples are from, but whatever, it's close enough. It doesn't matter. And then the I don't know the Bob one, which is named after my my grandfather yeah. who passed away a few years ago. Um, I was I was already kind of making a bunch of like lo-fi beats that were just coincidentally like artists that I knew he liked, and I was like, hey, this is kind of you know nice, kind of works. That's dope. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm looking at your yeah. band camp and I'm sort of getting annoyed at myself for not for not releasing anything. But um, oh, but when you do, it's gonna change the world. Yes, that's it's the gonna... plan. Yeah, <laughs> it looks really good. Quality over quantity. Well, I mean, but yeah, but you have the quantity and the quality. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. in that sense, anyway. I'm really. Well, yeah. So you went and saw. Oh. Other than going to New Zealand, you saw. Oh man, yeah. right like, like that's a week kind of after I got back. I I finally. <laughs> Finally got to see my the, the most important artist uh, for me, Eminem, Mr. Marshall Mathers, the third. Um, holy fuck, dude! Like, all right, just to put it in perspective, like I know, like I'm I'm pretty sure that most people listening to this are aware that Eminem doesn't tour that much anymore, but he hasn't been to the Netherlands since 2003. So that yeah. was when I was about 12 years old. And back then, we couldn't get the tickets in time. So I missed out, right? So years go by. He retires after Encore. He nearly sort of dies so like from, from drugs. So I'm thinking, uh, this is not going to happen anymore, right? Then he gets clean, but he's like, yeah, but I, I'm not going to tour anymore because touring was what got me into the drugs in the first place. So I'm like, yeah. well... That's not going to happen anymore. And then um, in 2011, all of a sudden he announces a show in Belgium, which is, well, it's not the Netherlands, but it's close enough, right? <laughs> uh, our countries aren't that big in um, Western Europe. So, so like, as I'm on the road in the car driving towards the concert, um, it turns out the festival that he's performing at, there's, like, a, a big lightning storm. Uh, two people pass away from a tent that falls over and... and knocks him yeah just kills him terrible tragedy and uh well for for them obviously for me unfortunately that meant the the whole festival was canceled so i didn't get to see eminem then so the one time i had tickets for a show nearby um it was canceled and then seven years later uh fast forward to today like uh, a couple months ago my girlfriend managed to get tickets and um 
holy shit like i got to like i was supposed to go with my girlfriend but she was ill so i uh, instead donated my second ticket to uh, gino um who you know is a friend of the friend of the pod he was in the, the pod. yes he was in the christmas episode oh oh my god okay side note on? we can yes, cut this side out note. but um when i was in austin this past weekend yeah um i saw someone with a shirt and I don't know what podcast it was for, but it just said friend of the pod on like the front of the shirt. That and I was like, dope. you didn't get that for Frank and Gino. <laughs> friend dope. of the pod. Kick knowledge. I just friend love of that. the pod. I Yo, love that dope. so much. Yeah, we gotta get I don't that. Know what, I don't know what pod, maybe it was just a, a joke. I don't know, but I was like, that's great. I love it. Anyway, sorry. I love it. No. You said friend of the pod. Oh, and that oh made man. Me so. Yo, we have to get that, the, get that too. So anyway, I took Gino to concert. Like it was nearly 70,000 people there. We had pretty good like we had a solid spot like we were close to the uh to the stage and like i wasn't even expecting a good show like really all i wanted was like to see him i wanted to see eminem perform like i didn't even care if it sounded good or if it was good like i had no expectations on the quality i just wanted to see the one the the person that inspired me like that sparked my love for hip-hop i wanted to see him in person and like i wanted to see him rap but um, oh my god, it was so good. It sounded so good. He was so on point. Like the like everything from from just his performance to the set list. Like he did fucking criminal, bro. Like criminal was the oh, first man. song that really sparked like 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 I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story like a dozen times already, but when I first got the Marshall Mathers LP, which was my first Eminem record, my dad brought it home for me. And I didn't I didn't speak any English. But I knew the word criminal because it was very similar to the Dutch version of that word. And uh, skipped to it. So it's the last track. And I played it. And Eminem goes like, you know why? Because I'm a criminal. I was like, oh, oh my God. And it just uh, blew my mind. And he did it fucking live. And he also did Kill You and White America and The Way I Am. And, and oh, my God. Like, all the, all, like, just don't give a fuck. And my name is. And it was, it was insane. It was just such a great show, and it was he was so good. I, like, literally, it's like Gino's still laughing. Like, we're still laughing at this, but both of us sort of uh, nearly went, like, we got sort of teary-eyed at some point during the show. <laughs> Gino got teary-eyed during Stan, which I feel like is, a, is an appropriate song to get teary-eyed from, you know, oh, yeah. if it gets performed. I got, like, like I had, like, like, I... I was in tears when Criminal came up, which is hilarious if you if you look at the lyrics, which is like the most homophobic lyrics that Eminem's ever ever yeah. recorded. But I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> he's doing Criminal. Homophobic? Nah, you just heterophobic. I was just I was just in tears, man, just from from sheer happiness that I was uh, at, like that after 18 years of waiting, I finally got to see my sort of. Yeah, the closest thing to a god in the world to me um, <laughs> that I got to see him perform live. So I'm still riding on that high, sort of riding that wave of happiness. And um, yeah, my bucket list is sort of like the most important one of my bucket list is, is is gone now. Like I had, I've seen Nas twice, I've seen Jay Z twice, I've seen Kanye. Like I've seen a bunch of my favorite artists. I've seen them live. But I'd never seen Eminem, and now I and now I have. So have. my life is done. Like I'm good. I'm good. You can die happy. Yeah, man. 
was crazy. Oh, it was so good. That was another thing. Like this is gonna be my litmus test for for whether the sound quality of a of a performance, like a hip hop show, is good. Like if like I filmed a bunch of the songs, you know. And usually when you play back the uh, the videos, like the bass is so distorted that like the mic can't really handle it, and like yeah. half your videos are like just terrible to listen to, right? But these all sound fucking perfect. So you really. That's good. So that just like it's like a testament to how good the the sound was. Um, even though in the um, the the acts that were opening for him, which were Royce the Five Nine and Two Chains, was a lot of fun. But oh yeah, but those sets sounded terrible. Like the the, oh. the sound was terrible. But then Eminem came on. The sound was great. And he had like uh, violinists and he had like two drummers, I think. And Alchemist was the DJ. Nice. Yeah, cool. man. Uh, Royce the Five Royce the Five Nine came on for um, for Fast Lane uh, from the Bad Meets Evil that EP. Makes sense. Okay, because didn't he put an Instagram video up like Eminem and he had Alchemist? Yes, he had Alchemist and Royce, and the supporter. He was his backup MC and Royce in the background. Uh, yeah, it was okay, a video of stuff uh, MC should never rhyme anymore, which yeah. is fucking hilarious. Yeah, uh, we'll link that. Yeah, like that's great. you can have a pencil, but don't say it's also a utensil. A pencil is <laughs> always a utensil. You shouldn't be saying that. Like, <laughs> you can be a menace, but not if your name is Dennis. Like, <laughs> like stuff like that. It's fucking beautiful. We should link that somewhere. I think yeah, they yeah. put it on YouTube too now. So, um, nice. somebody put it on YouTube anyway. Oh man, but you also went to a pretty fucking dope concert that was sort of life changing. It wasn't way, even. It's, uh, it was the exact opposite experience in terms of like hype because this was something I found out about like literally a few days before, and it was just like, years, like this uh, um, music shop in Austin, uh, Switched On Sound. Shout out to them because they're amazing nice. and they're like the best synth synthesizer shop you could go to like one of the best in the country in my opinion for the record this is um, not a paid advertisement Zach just really loves them they're just really awesome and yeah. I love them like the people that work there are great great people anyway but they were having kind of like a master class performance concert thing and it was like a free event um, at, at the shop with uh, this guy Daedalus who's um, I don't know if I would He's kind of a hip hop producer. He's he's got he's kind of done a bunch of everything, mm-hmm. um, but he's done a bunch of stuff with uh, Mad Lib, MF Doom, Bus yeah, Driver. Man. Yeah, you know um, the song "Accordion" off of Mad Villain was is a sample of one of his tracks. Oh wow, shit! Um, and he's actually he's actually in, in the accordion accordion music video. He's like in the background, oh, like fuck. pretending to play That's dope. accordion. But um, but yeah, he did a sort of masterclass on music production and. Uh, modular synthesis and mm-hmm. how he uses modular synthesis in his DJ sets and it was weirdly fascinating sort of like it was set up kind of like a TED talk or something where it's like he just sort of talked about his whole like DJ setup and how he sort of changed his setup over the years and like what kind of equipment that he uses and um, he was going through because what he's been doing is doing DJ sets so kind of playing other people's music but through a little like modular synthesis mm. uh, cabinet or whatever it's called. So he had, but which is like, I've never seen before. Like usually when you see like modular synth- 
synthesizers or whatever, you see like you know all the patch cables and the bleeps and the bloops, and it sounds like very experimental yeah. and noisy. But he was playing like DJ sets. But he was describing like all the like sort of modules he used. You know, he had had a delay module and a reverb module and all that stuff. But he had so much. The, why he wanted to use modular one is to get away from the laptop, mm. which I noticed and I. I don't know if I asked him this or someone else did, but like, there's been this sort of movement of sort of getting away from the laptop and almost every yeah. like electronic music live performance, and it's really it's a whole idea for another paper. Um, but yeah, he talked about how he uses these individual modules to like sort of make the tracks he's playing into his own, and that's that what I, I thought was really interesting because he was playing other people people's music. But he was kind of making, you know, with all like the yeah, buttons it was sort and of, wires and stuff, yeah. he was able to kind of add and effects and replay stuff in a way that was very nuanced and mm. not like, because he was talking about, you know, with Serato and, you know, all the CDJs and stuff. I mean, you can kind of do filter effects and, you know, crossfade and you can kind of do some of your own stuff, but not really. Like, it's still just, you know, it's still have, and you still have to connect it through a laptop and, yeah, you there's know. there's a sort of you get a sort of disconnect from the audience. I think. If, yeah, and you literally describe like we get this blue light shining into the art. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like this sort of laptop screen, sort of. It, I get why people want to get away from that. Um, like and 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 you see that a lot, and even in music production, with people just not wanting to look up from their machine or whatever right just not look at the screen but definitely when it's live um i can imagine like i'm not a dj or anything myself i don't do beat sets but i can imagine it's very tough to like connect with an audience if you're if you have to look at the laptop screen all the time yeah and he he literally described kind of the laptop screen as like this brick wall right when it comes to live performance and i've experienced that too even if it's really good djs that i've seen yeah you know whenever we went to the low end theory, no nothing against the low end theory no, you know great great it. people great performances yes but you know whenever there Please was a come DJ back that went in up, one shape or like some shape yeah, i hope so form. Anyway, but, you know whenever yeah. there would be a dj you know and they'd have the blue lights <laughs> you know part of me was just kind of like oh okay i don't even know why but it feels yeah it feels weird, yeah. Because from a producer standpoint, you know what they're doing, and it's you know it's complicated. But since you can't, but even if like we know, like I know a lot of people when they see a computer, they really think people just like click the next play, song. Uh, you know, they just like these press play DJ sort of, um, and like even though we know, being like being sort of music, making music, knowing what like these filters and stuff, all these things that they're doing, what they are like. It, it's very hard to, I don't know, even if you consciously know that they're actually doing some really cool stuff on that laptop, it just, yeah, I don't know. Point is obvious, I guess. It just, yeah. yeah it but then like he sort of, yeah. as he, he talked through that, you know, and talked through all his, you know, his whole setup with, he's got, you know, this filter and he's got this little module that does this thing. And a lot of it was kind of over my head, to be honest. I was like, oh, Oh, yeah, totally. What the fuck is he talking? Like, <laughs> but you know, once he did a live performance, I kind of understood the, how the workflow worked. Yeah, because he had like a module with a little SD card, and that's what held all the the beats that he was playing, <clears throat> mm -hmm. like all the tracks. And then he had a little like module that would do crossfade, so he could be able to like go in between one song and the other. Oh man, yeah. And it was really brilliant because he used 
basically something that's very experimental in nature and applied it to something to, you know, sort of more quote-unquote conventional, like four-on-the-floor type, you know, yeah. dance beats. Yeah. But then nice. it also, like, with the, you know, effects that he could apply to it, it had this sort of, like, experimental kind of edge to it. And I was like, I don't it just blew my mind. I was like, holy crap, this is really cool. And then he obviously talked about, you know, trying to experiment with different... You know approaches to music making and all that stuff which now it's like you know i was telling you earlier like i just want to make beats on mass before or for now yeah because it's right. like because of the reason of it's really hard yeah or you know just make beats on my phone because why not you know like i could probably turn out something cool i have yeah. before so like and there's, I don't there's know. something about like adding limitations yeah it can boost creativity in a way totally um yeah that's dope like I, I like how people keep innovating in so many different ways. That's really dope. Um, yeah, I wonder if there's like, would you say there's a real sort of move away from from the computer screen? I guess so, right? With I've seen over the past few years, I've seen more and more DJs, yeah. producers, kind of slowly but surely step away. Is it is it mostly from... in lo-fi and hip hop? Like, is like I, no, I I've seen. Uh, stuff too. I mean, I saw who who did I see? I think about a year ago. Um, well, I saw Flying Lotus, who I think he had stuff connected to a laptop, but he didn't have it like in front of his face. You know, like he had it kind of oh, okay, headed yeah, to the yeah. side, and then he had like his MPC. You know, and then he played all the like he did the live performance through the the pads and stuff, right, but he right, didn't right, have. Right. You know, and then I saw. I saw Comtrues, who's this like synthwave producer, um, about a year ago, and he kind of he had all these like hardware, you know. I think he had like a Moog synthesizer and drum machines and stuff. But then he, I think he had the same thing. Like he had his sort of laptop, but it was like closed into the side, and then you could just see him, you know, messing with sequencers and stuff. It was so cool, like seeing him toy with stuff on nice. a live setting. That's dope. Damn. And that from a live performance standpoint it's so cool because you make that connection yeah that I feel like a lot of electronic music artists have been wanting to get towards I guess yeah yeah you want to get that vibe of just you want to get very close to like just a guitar player like how exactly. they can how they can sort of connect with the audience because people see that you're playing that you're what you're doing or yeah mm. and it's just hard to see that with when somebody's just moving their fingers across the trackpad you know what i mean so um, now i also feel like there's sort of been i guess the only con to that sort of movement is that all of a sudden people now think that like the laptop is the worst thing ever oh, that's stupid too and it's like that's no man the... i only make beats on my sp202 and mm. i use a fisher price turntable that's what i do man i'm hardcore like nobody gives a shit no, fuck like, off yeah like <laughs> Like, I mean, you do whatever you want, but that doesn't make you Madlib, just because Madlib can do that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's more to Madlib than just... Madlib can make a beat out of a calculator. Like, he could, like... Yeah, there's definitely more to Madlib than just the lo-fi setting. It's <laughs> a yeah. setup, basically, yeah. It's so cool that, like, there was this workshop of... um this Q&A kind of session with a guy like that. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was very up close and personal. It was yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I and saw a picture a... you took. You were like 
first row or something that was yeah, dope. Yeah, and he had a projector next to him and mm-hmm. like a little like webcam that sh- so he could like show his whole setup. Ah, oh, what he was doing. People could see like up close. Nice. Yeah, it was really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you still don't see what he's doing. Yeah. He talked about the sampler that he used for what I've seen it in videos. He, has, he had the sampler that he used called the mon- Monome, I think that's what it's called, the Monome, mm. and it's like a grid of like like 120 buttons. It's like 12, or it's like 13 by 13 or something. I don't know. I don't know math. But <laughs> but it's literally, it's just this like white square with like all these, this whole grid of buttons. Wow. And then you can like put individual samples into each button. And it's wild. Like, it looks like something from like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like it. I don't know. I don't even know where you would start with that thing, wow. but it looks really cool. Awesome. Like I've seen him play, and he's just hitting all these random buttons. He somehow knows where everything is, and I'm like, Bleh. that's crazy. How do you even know? what yeah, Oof. must be some lots of practice. Lots of practice. practice, and yeah, it's so interesting. Like, I feel like people don't realize when it comes to like you know, with your performing beats or DJing or whatever. Like, you have to practice too. Yeah. Like, it doesn't exactly. matter what instrument you're playing or what kind of music you, you got to practice. That's just. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be on point. Like, mm-hmm. it's just gonna be. I mean, you could, you could probably get through a performance, but not like that. Um, like I remember watching a video. I think it was uh, DJ Qbert right. talking about practicing, and he said he practices like, or he used to at least practice like five hours a day. Holy shit! Just yeah. making sets and scratching and stuff like. I was, well, I never practiced, even when I played saxophone, like, <laughs> in, like, a music school, like, I never practiced that much, so. <laughs> yeah, that's hardcore. That's a 10,000 hours thing, I, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we've been, we've been gone for, for about a month. Um, last thing we did was uh, review the first three projects on the Good Music series, so the Good Friday series. Mm-hmm. So, we did uh, Pusha T. Uh, Yay and Kid See Ghosts. We really like Pusha T. We didn't like Yay so much, I guess. And then uh, Kid See Ghosts was. Um, well, I, I so love it. Really yeah, good. really good. Um, and it's, it's been it's been weird because June has been like one of the most like in sort of in terms of mainstream hip hop. June has been absolutely ridiculous in terms of artists that drop. So we had. Well, Pusha T came out in late May, but let's count that. Uh, so Pusha T came out, Kanye, Kanye and Cuddy, Nas came out, Tiana Taylor was sort of re- not really hip-hop, but related to that. Um, uh, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce released an album, and then to round it off, sort of Drake came out. And in the meantime, I think there's a bunch of other artists that drop projects as well, like J-Rock and probably forgetting a bunch, but... Um, it's been crazy. How would you sort of recap this this hectic month in in hip hop? I don't even know, especially because there's been a, a few other projects that I just totally missed that yeah kind of flew flew over my head. I know Chance just dropped a few singles. What? Like on Spotify, like Jesus. literally just today. It's July nineteenth. And then Gambino. Oh Gambino. yeah, Gambino uh, released two songs that are supposed They're to really lead nice. up. Um, build up momentum towards uh, a new album, I think. It's so weird, like, that... What is it, Awaken My Love came out, like, almost two years ago. Yeah. Because still, I'm still in the mindset of, like, that just came out for some reason. Yeah, but it's just stayed relevant, like, for a long time. Um, 
also i think because sort of stay woke became like this big thing and then with the get out movie where it was used yeah. um when nas came out i had high expectations like really high expectations like a nas project oh, yeah. so we haven't talked about the nas album no because it came out it came out like right. a, few, a, a day That's after right. we recorded the last one and Totally forgot. Like, I had high expectations because I figured they'd been working on this for, for months. Um, it's Nas. It's Kanye. Kanye's production was solid Agreed. On, on these projects, right? Like, I did Like, the reason I don't like Ye is mostly because I thought lyrically he was just not up to par. Um, but, like, Kid See Ghost was so good. And the production of Pusha T's record on Daytona was so good. So I was like, oh, Nas, Nasir, that's going to be amazing. It was so fun. Okay. What a fucking I don't know if you, <laughs> you. I don't know if you checked out the live stream when they were yeah, live streaming, like yeah, when man. they dropped the album. And was, like, it was the in the first, middle of the night. <laughs> like the first track was like Escobar season, season. begins. And then just kept crashed. looping. I was like, I'm going insane. Holy shit. It was 5 like, a.m. over here, man. It was 5 a.m. And I was up because I was still working. You were like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, like, what? why are you responding to my messages at 5 a.m.? And like, well, I'm working. And now the NOS live, live stream is about to come come, come on. So uh, I'm still I'm still awake. And then the freaking stream was just looping Escobar's car. And then it kept replaying. I was like, I'm going to lose my shit. This, and I sort of went to bed, and then the record didn't come out until two days later, which is all fine. I mean, fuck it. In the long... It didn't help. It didn't help the record, but this beautiful meme of uh, Nas sort of fi- trying to figure out how to upload the uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> upload <yeah>. the record. <laughs> it was such a fucking fit. Oh man, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. There were there, there were parts a- of it. It's. Weird. I feel like my least favorite parts of the album were the parts where Nas was on it. it was, <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I, and I'm a huge Nas stan. Like, apart from a few records, I love Nas. Like, he's Illmatic's the greatest hip hop record ever made. And I loved Life Is Good recently. So, like, I love the Damian Marley project. Stillmatic is dope. It was written as dope. And then, and Godson or. There's so he's got such a great body work. There's some duds in there, but Nas is an all-time great, one of the goats, and um, and he's and he's his his. There's there was just some some really dumb lyrics on there, like yeah, and 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 like it just it just pains me. But like I don't want to go into this too too much. I just felt like Nas really needed needed to do better better this i remember it's been a it's been a few weeks and i didn't expect to focus on this record so much so i'm not totally prepared to discuss this but i remember talking to you about some lyrics that he did there's like this weird anti-vaccination stuff going on like at some point in the lyrics <sighs> and he's talking about like creamy polenta whatever the like what the fuck are you even talking about Nas there's so many stupid lyrics on there and then there's this whole theory like there's this record where he where he's talking about I I had this whole sort of theory or maybe he's sort of addressing the whole fake news thing where like half the stuff he's saying is false and half the stuff he's saying is true because he's saying like 
Fox News was started by a black dude and and this and that and like uh, all these sort of facts and some of them seem legit and other ones seem like completely like tinfoil hat conspiracy theory kind of bullshit. Like what is going on, man? Just it was yeah, it was weird. And then and then the production was okay, but. Adam and yeah, on uh, Not For Radio, yeah, all the stuff I have to praise for that album is the production. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but the, the Not For Radio track, that's a, that was a sample of a track from the uh, Hunt For Red October soundtrack. Yeah. Because I've like seen that movie, that's like one of my dad's favorite movies. Like I've seen that movie like a bajillion times. Yeah. So like whenever like the beginning, that like choir and the orchestral stuff, and I was like, why does this sound crazy so familiar. familiar yeah what the hell is and then i looked up the sample and i was like oh well, that's a weird choice for person but it worked and, you know, like, and except that, for naz's you know weird lyrics info wars-esque type yeah, it was really conspiracy weird, theory <laughs> and stuff. um what was it i want to look i want to say this right because uh frank another friend of the pod uh frank stevens he came to me with this story um of how <clears throat> Basically, the same artwork was used, and one of the samples was the same samples was used as this one producer did on a a Nas remix project, and they used the same artwork. Oh, I think you told me about this. Yeah. What was it again? So yeah, going past the first strike. So cop cop shot the kid. That was, was great. The, the, slick Rick, slick Rick slick sample. sample. That's a great. That's a great sample. That was the best song sample, on the record, I think. Very, you know, topical. Like I just that was great. And oh, then, the producer, even, the know. architect, the architect. That was it. Mm. Uh, they lifted Nas- the artwork for uh, for the Nasir um, mm. record from um, and the Adam and Eve sample from mm. the architect producer. Um, ironically, from a project that was based on that was a Nas remixing project. So it's like Ew. they just took it. Just yeah. very weird. This is so un hip hop. I don't remember what the sample was from White Label, but it was really cool. It sounded really kind of yeah, old school. Like it really like uh, yeah, that was cool. I, really I mean, the production then, was solid. Uh, it wasn't yeah, and this- then the whole hook for Bonjour is gorgeous. Yeah, really gorgeous yeah. stuff. I mean, there's some there's some highlights on that record, but like on a seven song Nas record. Produced True. by Kanye, I expected so much more. Like I don't expect any fillers from from guys like that. So that was disappointing. Then a day later, I think Jay Z and Beyonce come out with a project, which is, which although technically not bad, I felt like was a little bit out of touch. I thought it was more interesting from a conceptual level than from an actual. And it like, wasn't as enjoyable as it was interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, you know, I have this whole theory about it kind of being like the finale of like this three part. Yeah, man. You know, it I guess I like trilogies. Lemonade four forty four. Yeah, but it, yeah, was, lemonade, clean. it was lemonade, which was Beyonce addressing the cheating rumors. Then Jay Z yeah. comes out with four forty four, which is him talking about from from his point of view, apologizing or at least sort of addressing it from his point of view. And this is the Carters. The two of them together. The it feels marriage. very like, you know, in a way they kind of addressed, maybe not explicitly, but it's very obvious they addressed on, you know, their collaborative album, this most yeah. recent album, that like they can't ever really be a normal family, ever. Like yeah. they're a celebrity family. That's how they're always going to be. Well, so they, they, at the end of the day, they're always going to be the guys that just rented out the Louvre 
Exactly. And it, I feel like it's interesting just instead of what they're trying to release like the whole fucking thing. <laughs> instead of you know trying to be like, oh no, we're you know we're so down to earth. How do you do, fellow kids? You know, yeah. instead of doing that, they like just sort of like double down. Like, like, no, watch let's. Th- it was kind yeah, of like, like watch the throne against yeah. and watch the throne. Yeah, kind of. And Where it's like, no, we're. We got the money to do this, so fuck it. The, the, like, the funniest thing about that video for Ape Shit, I guess, um, yeah, which is seems to be a reference to uh, N words in Paris, um, because uh, um, going gorillas, you know that line in there, and then mm. this line is called Ape Shit, and it's in the Louvre, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, what I liked about the video is. Um, it's just that it wasn't just the one shot in front of the Mona Lisa. Like, there were so many shots that you knew they basically had to rent it out for hours, if not a full day, which is just flexing on a whole nother level. You know for how real, much money real. the Louvre probably makes in a day from just ticket sales? Yeah. Like, for them to, like, compensate them for that and then film in front of their most precious sort of painting. Um among other stuff, that is insane. That's just flexing on a whole nother level that only a billionaire couple could do, which in itself is a testament to sort of sort of black excellence or financial yeah. success, which is dope. I just didn't. I I really felt like it was it was called the Carters, but it really felt like Beyonce was calling the shots on this one. Um, this is like Beyonce was rapping more than Jay Z <laughs> on the yeah. On, on that the was. I don't know if I, I don't know if I disliked her rapping, but because I, I, I guess I kind of got used to it. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like after listening to it a few more times, I was like, I can, I can, I can dig this. All right. the, the, the thing is, but that it was a little bit off-putting at first because, like, I she's an absurdly talented singer. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> whenever she does the auto-tune stuff or the rapping, I'm like, oh, okay, well, he can sing, but whatever. Yeah, and the ape shit, I'm pretty sure is a Migos track. Like, yeah. I think there's a reference track that was released, like the Migos version. So it just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Um, to, to be fair, like, I, I thought I was surprised how, how well Jay-Z was performing on the sort of fast flows. Sort of, yeah. Um, which is weird because Jay-Z is a very sort of laid back kind of feel to it. And, but he... It was it was working for some reason, and I've heard tracks with the DJ Khaled tracks sometimes where I didn't like Jay Z and Beyonce on a track so much on these sort of up tempo trappy beats, but this worked for me. But overall, like I played it like two or three times at most, which is v- a very low number of ro- like in terms of rotation for a Jay Z album for me. That's low. Yeah. Because I, I played Magna Carta like 30 times, you know, so, and that wasn't the greatest. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the weird thing is, though, like a few days later, Drake comes out, Scorpion comes out, and it's a 20, what is it, 25 tracks? is like 27 million 52 tracks, yes. to be exact. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, because like... Especially after all these seven-track albums, that feels that shit feel really long, and it, it, it is does, long. It does, man. But it's like Kanye's freaking like the opposite of it. Yeah, yeah. like I get so comfortable with like these twenty-minute albums. Like, ooh, yeah, I can just listen to it. Like, you know, but you popping know a bunch of like sweet tarts in my mouth. Just boop, boop, boop. Like, yeah. listen to it again and again and again. Now it's like an album comes out. It's like ninety minutes long, and I'm like, ugh. But you know what's weird? So long. But you know what's weird though? The more I've listened to it, the less of an issue that's become for me. 
I will, because I listened to it all the way through, and I will concede, I, I will say that if it drags on significantly less than his previous two projects. Yeah. Then more life or views. Which is insane because it's 25 tracks. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's perfect. That doesn't mean every track is great. Oh, no, it's not perfect. No, the Ratchet Happy Birthday is is, is not great. (laughs) But I want to say this, though. And it's, it's like, there's something, like, all these sort of albums like Daytona, Yay, Kids See Ghost, there's concepts there, right? There's all kinds of... Drake's album is mostly just songs. Just songs. It's a collection of songs. Like what sort of the original idea of an album was before people like 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 in the late sixties and stuff started doing these concept things. But the production and just the 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 quality of it, not necessarily the quality of the songwriting, which is solid, but the sound quality of it just makes just draws me in. And I it's it's fascinating to me that that there's like a bunch of these albums from guys like Nas and Kid Cudi and Kanye and Pusha T and Jay Z and Beyonce and all these guys. And what am, what am I listening to the most? It's, it's the freaking Drake album. And I'm like Kiki, do you love me? Like it's stuck in my head. And it's there's something about just. I, I want to put this out there. I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the pod yet, but I think the best song of 2018 is Nice For What. I just think it's such a fucking good song. And I don't know, like, you, you look at your face, you, you're not agreeing with me, but I think the production on there and sort of the hooks and the way the song is structured is so fucking fascinating. And that's Drake, man. I'm that's that you feel <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, well, we have different tastes. That makes this interesting. But there's something about Drake's production that is just incredibly hi-fi. There's just... Um, it just sounds so good. And like I, I know I'm I really a lot like, of shit I still there's like so many hip hop heads that hate Drake and that hate on people that love Drake, but like I honestly like the artist that has consistently interested me over the past few years the most is probably Drake and it's a lot to do with 40s production. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just think he's I just think Drake is a solid rapper and the beats are just incredible. Well, not only mixing. 40, but uh, a few other producers. Oh, Boy Wanda's on there, with. too. Uh, yeah, Boy yeah. Wanda. He's fantastic. Like, yeah. the beat for God's Plan, it's still the best 808s yeah. I've heard on a beat. I know, right? That pattern. God. Yeah. It's great. But also, it's because great. it's just not love. just the 808s, yeah. but it's also, like, the, the rest of the 808 kit with all the Yeah, the and you have the cowbell. I love the cowbell. Yeah, what I need to eat so much. People gotta use the cowbell more. Um, it's great. And it's great I stuff. Just, I just love this thing that they do with these often reverse R and B samples. Like the the sample selection, they don't go for soul, but they go for like '90s R and B, which makes this makes for this very smooth sound. And these and these synths, man, these like the bass. I can't remember which track it was but there was a track on there where the synths like made me like made my jaw drop i was like holy shit is that this the is one good. with the with michael jackson on it because for me that was like the, the bass in there it's just so i remember liking that track oh it's just so 
so good. Um, and it's it's so it just makes me wonder what um is if you compare the sound quality of Scorpion or any other previous Drake project, nothing was the same as my favorite Drake project. If you compare it to like the sound quality of like Ye, mm -hmm. it's 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 like miles apart from each other. Mm -hmm. now, I'm not talking about create creativity, or I'm not talking about saw structure. I'm really talking also, about this thing of like just how it sounds, how it's mixed and mastered. Some, yeah. Also, on this whole project, there are some bars that he spits. Yo, they're like solid bars, and I'm like, yeah, man. And there's a bunch of yeah. bars in there that are like that. Um, that seem at first seem really stupid. But or seem sort of ignorant, you know, ignorant kind of. Well, I didn't hear any sort of like so much chains, like chaining Tatum. None, none of those no, stupid. None, like, none of that stuff. No, 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 no definitely. Really stupid. There was a couple cringy stuff, but it wasn't anything close to that. What is the? What is the? It's the second track, I think. It's um, and the the hook is, um, I'm, I'm gonna pull up Genius for this. Genius doesn't have the explanation that I think is relevant here. Uh, for that, but um, he says, uh, "This a rolling, not a stop. Watch it, don't ever stop." Right? Um, so it's a Rolex, not a stop. Watch it, don't ever stop. Which seems like sort of just flexing, because like I've got a Rolex, and this like the the way a Rolex works, it never stops. It just it's perpetual, ac perpetually accurate timekeeping, right? Um, but what I think it refers to is the uh, story of Adidon this by Pusha T where um, he refers to um, 40 now let me look up the, the actual lyrics from the Pusha T record um, yes right he says OVO 40 40 hunched over like he 80 tick 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 how much time he got that man is six 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 that is what Pusha T says and then Drake says this a rolling, not a stopwatch. It don't never stop. So that's a fucking, mm. that's a reply to Pusha T, right? He just sneaks mm. it in there while he's flexing. And I, I really like that about Drake. I think Drake is so much more intelligent than, than he seems to be um, on a surface level, right? He's a really, like he's, I, we're just 100% defending Drake here and people are going to give a shit. I don't care. Like, I really admire I don't care. how I much did, of like, I'm uh, going to defend that guy. Like, yeah, that guy's music. Uh, I'm going to defend From a personal it. standpoint, you know, with his kid, you know, I don't really approve of any of that. I don't even really know what's I going know. on. I so don't care so much, actually. I, uh, but, you know, from just a musical standpoint, like, he's a smart dude. Like, yeah. have you watched his uh, interview with... Uh, was it with Nardwar? Like his interview oh, yeah, with all the old school sort of Toronto yeah, stuff. And yeah, and he's like he such knows. a he, he's just geeking out to Nardwar. Yeah. It's so yeah. great, like seeing him just you know talk about Timmy Thomas and all this stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, cool, man. he's like a huge like. I don't know why people don't. I guess because he's more in this point in his career, he's very much more of like a pop artist. Yeah. You know, he's such you know he's so far into the spotlight that yeah. people just assume he's just. But that's a, yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. Like, he he's a pop artist, but he I don't feel like he's let go of like his hip. Like, if you really look at if you look at Drake, Drake kind of Drake is kind of the 
not kind of Drake is sort of objectively the biggest pop artist in the world right now. Yeah. He's like breaking yeah. all the streaming records, all of that, right? All his 25 records are in the top 100 or whatever. Every um, single playlist every s- has a picture of him on Spotify. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and he's not, and he's signed to Apple, like, and still he's on Spotify all the time. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 is there's just, He's, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just, I'm just, um, yeah, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, there, there's one thing about Drake that I did sort of feel like, I feel like this guy's profoundly unhappy unless he's in the studio. And that's sort of what Which I, I get. Which I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> but I really think that, yeah, man, I, I really think that that is his, is his sort of safe space just in the studio um, I just think he's he's a he's a. Oh yeah, I remember where it's going with this. Like he's a pop star, but like his his pop songs don't sound like all the other pop artists. Like he does some weird shit. Like nice for what? It, like has this break in there with like uh just people talking, right? Um, also like nice for what has uh has like a southern bounce into it, like a like a early two thousand sort of southern bounce which is no, nowhere to be found in other pop music. Um, he has a lot of really dark sort of synthy sounds in there that are very different. Like it's, it's, uh, it always surprises me just how successful Drake is as a pop star. If you look at what it sounds like and people only focus on the hooks and the kiki, the, you know, like the sort of the, the, the meme going on right now, but in the hotline bling kind of stuff, but a lot of it is just very dark and um, minor key and, and still like people are bumping it like in their cars in the, in their, in, like, in the clubs. I will, like, kind of going back to some of those earlier stuff, like started from the bottom is one of my favorite hip hop beats ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Brilliant. And you know what the sample from it is like this random, like minimalist. Yeah. I don't remember what the artist name is, but it's really random. And the way they like chop up this, that's so cool. Uh, so freaking this, cool. What's this on the same record? Too much with the Sampha uh, sample. Mm. Oh God, that's so great. It's just like the sound. Like my uh, my dad just got new studio speak uh, studio monitors. Um, mm. So in order to test how sort of accurate they were, I brought a bunch of CDs along with me uh, when I went to visit his uh, his studio and. Um, and and and, and then, like what did I bring? I brought Dr. Dre. The Chronic 2001 because it's just amazing in terms of production and I brought a bunch of Drake records because that's the stuff that I want to test studio monitors with just because it sounds so crisp. The mixing is so on point. The mastering is so good. Um, yeah, the beats are just amazing and, and I really think that um, I really think Drake just he kind of overdid it. it. It didn't need to be 25 songs but as sort of like as a sort of power move, this being a double album and him getting out of the cash money deal and now being fully independent. Um, independent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, independent in the sense that he's going to make more money off of the streams, I guess, yeah, uh, yeah. a better percentage. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, but I, yeah, it just, I don't know what it is about the dude. Like he, he makes it very difficult to like him in a way, but at the same time, he's super relatable 
and then and his his music is just high quality even though like as an album it's not that great an album but all the individual songs are really good and even though it's super long it kind of does flow well it just mm-hmm. doesn't have a, a strong narrative or whatever things that we like from guys like Kendrick or Kanye or but I I really like a lot of those songs agreed so I don't know man I don't know loved it but i'm overall i'm kind of disappointed in a month like june a month with nas kanye pusha cuddy jay-z and drake and then half of those projects sort of being a letdown yeah i'm not sure that i expected more of that more from that but um is there anything yeah. else we wanted to discuss? It's like, like, like it feels like we had a lot to discuss. We've sort of. I don't know if you saw on. Um, I think Danny Brown put on Twitter because someone randomly asked him, like, what was the hardest part about making atrocity uh, atrocity exhibition? Blah, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most incredible mm-hmm. hip hop albums of the past decade, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But um, and he said, and it was really interesting. He said, he said, don't go and spend seventy thousand dollars on clearing samples because then you'll be in debt. And like, <laughs> oh, shit. it kind of blew my mind because I was like, I think I was a uh, tracklib, like the tracklib Instagram who shared it. Yeah, who shared that tweet, and it just blew my mind that like he sp- he had he had to go spend because he's on a label I think, but he had to go spend that much money and then still didn't make that money back. From record sales. Yeah, man. And I guess that makes sense, because let's say he makes like 50 grand from albums. Because it did really well. At least it seemed like it did. Like, I remember it was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, but what is really well, right? Like, um, monetarily, he still might be in the hole. He's getting a small percentage because a lot is going to like studio time and. I mean, artistically, I would say it paid off because it's a fucking great album, but I'm just surprised that it cost that much. I don't know if you heard about this whole debacle with the Ed Sheeran. This is a hip hop, but you know it's still talking about sampling and copyright mm. and stuff. With Ed Sheeran's uh, whatever that song is called, it's like the biggest song of Shape of the you past. Or? No, it's a uh, what is it called? Oh my god, the Ed Sheeran song that sounds like Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. Oh, uh. no, that's what he's being sued for. The point <laughs> is, he's getting sued right now by one of the co-writers oh, yeah. of Marvin Gaye. Thinking out, song. thinking out, thinking out loud, yeah. yeah thinking so out he's loud, getting yeah. sued for, get this, he's getting sued for a hundred million dollars <laughs> for that song by one of the co-writers of uh, Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." Get it on. That's and their ridiculous. claim, get this, their claim, and this this affects you know this has been in the world of music theory. This has like been the talk of the town because it's like huh? you know when you read the defense. Uh, for like for the lawsuit like they use they talk about how like the chord progression is the same which you can't you can't copyright chords like you can't do that no like, like if they're, you're they're saying chords, like, like the, the there's you know there's a million songs with the same four chords you can't yeah especially with let's get it on it's just like C and then like E minor and F and G that's like the most basic thing ever like you can't copyright that and obviously, like, and beyond that, you can't you can't copyright something because it sounds vaguely similar. 
do something else. Like when I heard that thinking out loud song, I was like, hey, this kind of sounds like let's get it on. But like I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, he's copying. Like no, but it doesn't even really sound like it. It's just and the melody. That's the thing. In, in the lawsuit, they claim that the melody is the same too, which is not at all. Like no. it's not even remotely the same. <laughs> like it might, it might have the same direction, but it's not the same melody. It's not the same melody at all. Like it's such. And the biggest worry is that if this lawsuit goes through, which I kind of, I mean, it's, it's not like he, he's literally one of the most successful artists like alive right now. Yeah. So hopefully he has some. Well, he's money. got Maybe a legal his label team will back him up. Hundred yeah. million dollars though. But is then it also is this just a way to get like a settlement and then get like two million out of it? Probably. That's how these with these big, you know, pop music lawsuits. That's usually what happens. It's what happened again the with time. the uh, with the um, Robin Thicke song that was? Uh, oh no, they the Marvin Gaye estate won because that was pretty. That was a lot more obvious. And even like yeah, Robin Thicke said, that, "Hey, yeah, we rhythm. this was like a big influence on us." Yeah. And we I feel wanted like that to, should be allowed. I just feel like that should be. Allowed. I mean, I agree. It's just that the way they worded it was probably not the best way. But now they're um, like, oh, let's get another, uh, let's get another uh, superstar, and uh, but just targeting them one by one. Another bullshit lawsuit that's going around is Bruno Mars is getting sued for um, Uptown Funk because apparently they say, and I listened, I went because I was like, this is bullshit. This isn't true, but the. The drums apparently it's the same drum loop from what's that Zap and Roger song? Oh, uh, yeah. oh, More yeah. to the ounce, hmm. which I listen to it and I'm like, just because it's the same pattern, that doesn't mean they sample like that's bullshit. Uh, you know how many drum patterns in hip hop are like boom, check, boom, boom, check, boom, boom, like check, like if, the, if and there's that. video, like I saw like there's uh, some video footage of him in the studio making that track and he's like making the drum pattern himself he's not sampling like it's such because it sounds vaguely similar to the zap and roger song like that doesn't mean that's stupid that's a crazy so world, stupid. it is we're living yeah we've got new rules See, but this, it's still this is only world. you know and people especially it always concerns me when like aspiring producers hear that kind of stuff and they're like oh god I don't Get trouble. And I'm like, are you making multi-million dollar hits? No, then it shouldn't really concern you. <laughs> like, you do whatever yeah. you want. Like, actually, you, what you want is for them to notice your music, not yeah. like an algorithm, but like you want like people to notice your music and then have them take it down. You know, that means yeah. you're you're doing really well, really well. That if you if you're if they find I've heard your stuff, a lot of. This has kind of become kind of I don't know if it's like become a meme, but it's become the sort of trend of like hip hop producers like they'll Shazam their beats. Yeah. And if it, like the original sample doesn't come up, then it's like cool. Like I've no got one a will problem, tell. Man, like my song sticks that I'm working on. Like if you Shazam it, it recognizes the sample oh, no. and it pisses me off. Pitch it down or something. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It just sounds good the way it is. I don't want to. But um, yeah, I guess we should wrap it up, and and hopefully like this is gonna be the start of like a, a steady outpour of new episodes again, because like, you know the the wor- like the worst parts of the busy season, end of academic year season, are over for us. I guess now we can just sort of casually keep working, and we'll have plenty of time to record new episodes, do new interviews. We've hopefully we um we've got a few. Things lined up probably that'll be 
pretty interesting, I think. Um, yeah, so if you, um, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if you like this episode, um, make sure the like is on Facebook, Kick Knowledge Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Kick Lower Dash Knowledge. Um, follow us on Instagram, Kick Lower Dash Knowledge, Lower Dash Podcast. Yeah, we're um, on all the social medias. Yeah, we're on all of them. Uh, yeah. Except and Snapchat, then I guess. And iTunes and... Yes, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud. Stitcher. Uh, you can find us on our, our website, which is powered by rapanalysis.com, of course. So you can go to rapanalysis.com and find us. Or you can just go to kickknowledgepodcast.com um, if, you, if, you, if you're so inclined. But yeah, make sure to check out Rap Analysis because... I mean, it's been a, we've been partnered with uh, Martin for a while, and there's some exciting exciting stuff coming up, and um, and just uh, yeah, cool articles. Um, check it out, man. Check it out. So yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, it's good to be back, Zach. It's good to yeah, be back. Definitely. All right. Well, peace out. All right, peace out. Ask me if I'm trying to acknowledge, 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 acknowledge